0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Playing in the Sandbox, Conversations and Pedagogy. I am one of your co-hosts, Katherine Troyer. Unfortunately, we are not joined today by Lauren Malone, but we are joined by the one, the only, Donovan DeHoe. Donovan is our post back fellow here in the collaborative for learning and teaching at trinity university and he has lots of responsibilities with, within our center but one of the most important is his relationship and work on as the facilitator of uh, tigers as partners donovan what is tigers as partners
1: Hi, well, Tigers as Partners is kind of a program designed to support faculty by providing them with student perspectives and their uh, pedagogical practices. We kind of do this by pairing the faculty members with a student and having them provide specific feedback through multiple services that the students are trained to use.
0: I've done Tigers as Partners before and it was fantastic, but it sounds a little daunting because it almost sounds like that it's just like a semester of getting course evaluations from a student, but that's, that's not really what's happening, right?
1: No, not at all. Honestly, uh, it might sound like that way on paper, but the best way to put it is having someone on the inside explaining to you what it's like, what the things are working, what is not, and instead of taking it as a, uh, like a, for lack of better words, a constant criticism, as a way of saying like, look, there are things that we can do to help,
0: I, I really love that idea of the, the insider perspective, because that's that was for me what I found so valuable because I've, I've been a student, obviously, right? You, you can't become a teacher without having been a student, but it's been a while, right? And, and not only has it been a while, but I've not been a student at Trinity in 2021, right? So there are just so many factors that a student can really say like, hey, this is something that I know from this insider perspective, and you try usually to pair it so that it's the student intern is paired with someone that's outside of their major, right?
1: Yes, exactly. We try not to closely match people based off of either like majors or any specific criteria. We try to vary their experience as much as possible simply because we want to bring as many outside perspectives as possible into that partnership so that we can develop and grow.
0: I I know that my my top intern, um, she was psychology and I was teaching a comparative literature class and there were times that she would be like, I don't understand how how you're setting up this class because it's so different from how psychology classes are set up. And I needed that reminder, right, that she could only offer me because she wasn't really intrinsically involved uh, in the department. So what do you do in your role as a supervisor and facilitator? Like what? what guidance or sort of interactivity are you having with these student interns in this over the course of a semester
1: besides just generally being their supervisor and kind of acting as like their strategist and their positioner essentially uh, my job is to kind of act as like their 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 backbone their uh their base of operation and essentially if uh they will uh once a week kind of uh meet up with me and we will discuss what's going on in their in their partnerships and so then uh, we will come up with creative solutions to, st- uh, to problems that the, the TAP uh, partner might bring to their TAP intern. And so uh, my job essentially then is to carry a lot of their weight. So if they're asking for specific questions, I provide resources or I do pedagogical research for them. Anything along the lines to help that partnership kind of fruition. That's
0: fantastic you will think that I have asked many questions, but that was all part of question number one, right? Which is, what is TAP? And so knowing that that you get together with the the TAP interns um, as a cohort once a week, and I also know that, you know, as, as a faculty member, I meet with my student intern once a week, right? So that there's lots of, of collaboration, sort of awareness of what's happening in a broader sense. Can you can you talk about some of the things that that TAP students end up doing with their faculty? Like, let's say I'm like, this is the most amazing thing ever. What would I ask my, my TAP student to do? What would I, how would they help me specifically?
1: See, that's a really interesting question because we do offer many services, but uh, the way that I have kind of thought and uh, kind of directed TAP for the brief time that I've been part of it is that it's an ever expanding, no end in sight, kind of thing, and that although we do have set things that are provided uh, by the program, it's not limited to that. But some of the the stuff that we are uh, more popular services uh, that are put include kind of syllabus reviews weekly observations and feedback like pedagogical research mid-semester feedback and help with the implementation of new technology or practices in the classroom
0: which that's a fantastic amount of stuff because you're talking about from the very start of the course actually even before it starts right with that syllabus review to the end and i i think that any one of those alone would would make the the partnership beneficial but i think particularly with like syllabus review and mid-semester feedback it's useful to sort of remove yourself from the equation, right? Because again, we're having that insider perspective of, you know, when I give mid-semester feedback, it's, I think, sometimes hard for students to be like, but does she want me to tell her the truth? <laughs> or does she want me to tell her what she thinks I want she wants to hear? Um, but when you have a, a peer tutor or a TAP intern do it, it just removes that weird hierarchy, right? So you said something interesting, though. You said that we often have this evolving amount of things that a, a TAP student intern can do in consultation with their, their faculty member. What are some of the things that, are, that our faculty are asking their TAP interns to do right now that you can think of?
1: Well, for example, we have uh, a science course uh, that is meeting both with the, the regular course and the lab. And so initially we had observed just the, the, the course itself. But we came to the conclusion with our uh, with our partner that the lab was an essential part of that kind of observation that one cannot exist without the other, and so we kind of worked a way to kind of compromise and glue both of those in the observations. Other stuff can be like uh, like a hybrid course, where instead of having one uh, faculty member, we kind of tap or shadow like two of them, and kind of give like feedbacks on their like their interactivity between each other and how like their relationship dynamic kind of functions in the eyes of the students. And so it it gets complex when you kind of implement what is on paper into reality.
0: I know that a lot of people, a lot of faculty who end up agreeing to do TAP are are ones who are actively seeking ways to to enhance their pedagogy. And so because they're actively seeking ways to, to enhance their pedagogy, I think sometimes it can feel like but I I've read the book on this or I know best practices. So what can I do? So again, what I'm hearing is, is that what this program offers is the opportunity to ask someone whose grade is not dependent upon the course, what it looks like on the inside, what the dynamics are between instructor or instructors and students um, between awareness of content and how content is being delivered or format. So no matter where you are then uh, as a faculty member, whether you feel like you have something you really wanna work on, or you're just wanting to be the best version of yourself, do you feel like TAP is, is a good option for, for all faculty?
1: 100%, because I think we can all use kind of a mirror, I would say. We can all use the ability to kind of be told what it's like from the other side, because we all have our internal processes, uh, processes and we're so set in our specific, for lack of better words, and our specific habits that it might not seem immediate that some of these things are not translated properly. And so we're the social lubricants that kind of smooths out that process.
0: One of my favorite things that my tap intern did for me was uh, what's sometimes known as heat mapping, where for the class period, she paid attention to when I asked certain types of questions, what students were answering, what students were answering first, but also like what students were looking at other students when they were answering. And so there was a lot of really interesting data that emerged about like, who was looking at whom when they spoke? Um, When were my female versus my male students speaking up versus my non-binary students? Uh, When were my students speaking up that were students of color versus my, my white students or or versus my international students. And it was just really fascinating because I realized that I was asking certain questions that because, again, I, I didn't have that mirror to hold up. I was asking certain types of questions that were only inviting certain groups of people to join a conversation. Um, so I, I just think that that was such a helpful, so insightful. I like that idea of the mirror analogy. So we are recording this in the end of September in 2021. So there's been this, this global pandemic that we've been facing that has more or less radically changed everything. So thinking about the fact that what TAP gives us is the insider perspective, the student perspective, what are some of the things that TAP student interns are saying are important things to keep in mind right now, either in, in 2021 or, or at this point in the semester, but like, what are they talking about are the things that we as faculty need to be aware of?
1: So I've had a lot of discussions with my uh, with my interns about this. And the thing that we are uh, finding the most prevalent or the most important thing to discuss is the backlash of COVID's effect on the classroom environment. So we all know that attending classes via Zoom for the past year and a half has had really intense and really interesting effects on our classroom environment and the way that we kind of think and operate. Because we've done that, we've started being trained in different ways than traditional classrooms demand. So we're kind of facing a dilemma at this point. Like, how do we go back after such an extended time away from that kind of environment? That's a question that is just unsure, that it's uh, incapable of being answered at the moment, but we're adapting with the best abilities.
0: And I think, probably tied to that question is, should we be going back or in what ways should we be not? I know that you personally, one of one of your sort of research projects this year is thinking about like how we can treat last year as a opportunity to say, but look at these new tools that we have technologically speaking or pedagogically speaking at our disposal that we didn't know we had, right? Or that we weren't using. And so do you feel like the students, either um, the TAP interns or just you know, you having been, uh, you being a Trinity alum, do you feel like students feel like there are things that we should be keeping from our Zoom pandemic style teaching?
1: Absolutely, I mean, even just uh, the smallest thing, like for example, Zoom's like chat function was immensely helpful to many students and uh, faculty, honestly. The ability to kind of implement your opinion or your thoughts behind the, the lesson without interrupting and without the social stressor of uh, placing yourself kind of in the spotlight, it was a great way to increase like, student engagement with the materials without any of the negative effects of speaking out loud in the class. There are just things that Zoom University has done that are just irreversibly fantastic and the things that we should keep implementing into our classrooms.
0: Are there other pr- things that, that you feel like are, are TAP interns want us to know or keep in mind where we are now?
1: I mean honestly it's simply just that with the way that the world is kind of changing and adapting that things that might not have uh, might have worked 10, 15, 20 years ago might not work anymore and so to constantly evolve and change and adapt is something that we, we strive as absolutely essential to being in uh, this kind of pedagogical environment.
0: And so to tie that back to tap, what ends up happening is that we're reminded of that constant evolving nature of the, the student perspective because the students that I'm working with today are going to be different than the students I'm working with four years, five years from now. Or even a year from now as we have different, you know, shifts in our demographics and things like that. So there is a way in which TAP allows us to be reminded of how things are changing and how things are evolving. I think, too, it it serves as a signpost to your students that, that you are taking... Not just your craft of teaching seriously, but you're taking an awareness of student needs in the moment seriously, because you're saying I'm inviting the student perspective in this very formal way, as well as however many informal methods, and and that just that lets your students know something really specific about you. I think. Are there specific practices that that the TAP interns are excited to see being done by by their faculty, so they are making these suggestions about you know here are some things I'm noticing. Or here is a strategy that works really well in another class I have, they're they're providing all of these ideas and, and sort of feedback to faculty. Are there things that that tap interns are saying that they're really excited to see their faculty doing?
1: Absolutely. There are so many, but the ones that I I hear and see the most, honestly, are um, when faculty bring students into the conversation. And instead of like focusing on just relaying the information, are interns observing the class, enjoy being part of that lecture whether that kind of means like discussing the content amongst each other or even just debating its merits, the students seem to enjoy active over passive learning and seeing that kind of like that brightening up in the class environment is such a a valuable thing.
0: It's interesting that you say that because studies have suggested that uh, students in a class, like in the moment, will say that they prefer passive learning because it feels like and that's in quotes it feels like it's it's more right because they're like look at these you know 20 pages of notes that I've taken but of course the truth is is that active learning has has been proven time and again to be a more valuable method for engagement and that doesn't mean that there can't be a lecture notice that Donovan said like whether it's a lecture or discussion it does so I'm not talking about lecture versus discussion just like that active component but what's interesting is you're telling me that when students like our TAP interns are just observing, right? When they're not having to be, again, graded, and they can just see how it unfolds, time and again, they're saying, this is better, right? This is more engaging. This is proving to create a better ground for learning. And that's really fascinating to me. What are some of the other practices that TAP student interns are excited to be seeing their faculty do?
1: And another thing that we're really, uh, or that the, our tap interns are really excited to kind of see is the like the constant, uh, we talked about this earlier, the constant adaptation and change uh, over time in the classroom. I mean, I've seen many like uh, like teachers honestly take the, the feedback that they get over the class period and then kind of say, put it aside and then towards the end of the semester, take all those notes and then kind of treat it as a, uh, for the next time. But having that kind of in the moment kind of change and adaptability to see someone go, I don't think that this functions properly, or I don't think this is the, the kind of perspective or the kind of practice that works well for the class environment. And having them either like scrap that or adapt it or change it or create something entirely new with the same effects. Is such a viable experience because it makes students feel heard. It makes students like feel understood. And again, that increases that engageability, that's that focus on the class.
0: Unfortunately, what you're asking, of course, is never easy, right? Because it would be so nice if it was like this is gonna be the easiest thing you do, but it, it does take that sort of you have to pause in the moment and then and then be prepared to to make change, right? instead of thinking about it over a break or something like that. But we ask our students to do this all the time, right? We ask them to prototype or to do drafts, to do multiple iterations of things and to make adjustments with feedback in the moment, right? That's just, that's what education, that's what learning is. So really, you're just advocating that we we do the things that we know are best for learning because we're learning through this too, right? We as faculty are are learning how to adjust to the needs, not just of, of students in 2021 or students at Trinity but students in that particular course I found that things that I did with my students at the beginning of the pandemic had to be different than things I did with my students uh, in the middle of the pandemic because of their different needs at different times right I had different classes very different um, personalities this sets up nicely to to the final question because we are right if we're in the end of September we're nearing mid-semester time which means now is a really good time for us to, as faculty, to engage in in mid-semester feedback. And of course, if you have a TAP intern, uh, they will run that for you. If you have a peer tutor, you could ask them to do it. Uh, You could ask the collaborative staff. We have a a sort of a limited capacity, but we have run mid-semester feedback, or you can do it yourself. And I have a whole episode on mid-semester feedback specifically that you should check out if you're interested in thinking about that. But Donovan, I wanted to ask you, because this is a part of the TAP program, what are some things that, that you feel like the TAP students have noticed, you have noticed, should be kept in mind when we are preparing to ask students for mid-semester
1: feedback? Honestly, it's, it's rather simple, but sometimes the simplest things are quite literally the best things that you can do. So when you, uh, the things that should be kept in mind when we're kind of like working with our mid-semester feedback is the way that we format it. Uh, the general tips I would give are to write more concise questions, vary them throughout the survey and then create tangible rather than intangible questions.
0: Can So I know you were telling me, <laughs> and as you were like talking through this before the episode started, I, w- I felt like you were talking to me specifically, but you were like, for example, maybe you shouldn't have a question that's really 17 questions in one. And I was like, ah, I've done that before. So one of your pieces of advice is that, it doesn't count as only three or four questions if there are like 17 subparts, right? Like we need to have a specific, focused, concise question. Um, do you have tips for like what types of questions students feel better equipped to answer or tips for for how to write those types of questions?
1: Uh, for those kinds of questions, I honestly, I recommend basically to just, uh shrink them as much as possible. If you try to implement like segments behind it, or like, what was your opinion on this? And how does that make you feel? And where do we go from now on? And what were your improvement or thoughts of improvement? Then what you're doing is you're overwhelming the students. You're overwhelming their, their ability to critically think about something. Because when there's so many elements, you kind of focus on trying to find one answer that encompasses all those questions. By breaking them up into smaller, more concise questions, what we can do then is that we can have smaller answers, which is not particularly bad, but not what we desire. But it also creates a better engagement and a clearer answer for you. The more muddled your question, the more muddled your answer.
0: Yeah, I think we have a tendency to often like feel like mid-semester feedback is, is the only opportunity, right? If we don't solicit this feedback now, if we don't ask every possible question we could, then, you know, we can never ask a question again. So I know I've had a tendency to just be like, here's all the questions, answer them, and I will sift through it. But what you're suggesting is, is that there is an advantage of being really targeted. And that might mean that, for example, instead of saying like, what is is working in this class, this super broad question, we could even narrow it down to like, on this assignment, what was working for you because that's information we can apply to the next assignment or to the next like place and time. So how can we create questions that, that feel meaningful to a student? So you were a student not so long ago. What types of questions when you had faculty who did miss semester feedback, did you find helpful or like what types of questions would you want to be asked as a student to feel like change is going to happen in the class?
1: The way that I saw it, and the things that I felt uh, prompted the most change were questions that were targeted to specific assignments. So, if you have big major grades, if you have like writings portions or essays or anything along that line, I think the best way of kind of creating that kind of environment and that thought process is asking that very targeted question of, "Hey, we did. Uh, we broke up our essays within three sections." One is just thesis, one is then rough draft, and then one is final draft. Having, what did you think about that? Did that work? Having those kinds of questions like that, those really targeted questions, create really targeted answers. And so honestly, and this might sound stupid, but being in charge or kind of like understanding maybe and kind of engaging and steering the questions can create a better feedback open-ended questions will leave open-ended answers. If you understand and you want to understand something, then you'll target the question to get the precise results.
0: That makes perfect sense. Okay, let us pretend I'm listening to this episode and I'm like, my gosh, Tigers as partners, I want to sign up, or yes, Tigers as partners has been terrific, I wanna know if I can do it again. And and unfortunately, if anyone's listening to this episode and they are not at Trinity, this is a Trinity specific program, but many universities are adapting a similar program or a similar model, so you should ask your teaching centers if that might be something they could do. But if you are at Trinity and you are a faculty member, or a teaching staff in any capacity, and you're like, my gosh, I must do this. Donovan, what do they need to do to learn more about what their commitment would be, uh, how how they would begin to initiate the application
1: process. Well, at the moment, we are currently working on streamlining that process uh, through a more digital form. But if you are interested in joining uh, TAP as a program, we would love for you to email the collaborative uh, email address and uh, kind of set up uh, I wouldn't say an appointment, but kind of a digital appointment, and we will send the things that we require from you, and then we will figure all of that out.
0: Yeah. So Donovan's been hard at work building us um, something that we can more formally recognize the the incredible accomplishments and hard work of our tap student interns and our faculty. But if you get if you're listening in more or less end of September through the end of of 2021 we may not have formula formalized that system yet so email us at collaborative at trinity.edu and it will get its way to donovan and he'll he'll walk you through the process and really so i i met with my student intern once a week for about an hour i had access to her notes that i reviewed and then i could ask questions and then we spent a little bit more time where I had specific questions for some mid-semester feedback. But the amount that I got out of what was really only a few hours of my time on top of my teaching load was, I can't stress it enough. It was transformative in, in every way possible. So I highly encourage you to, to contact us. Donovan will happily walk you through any questions you might have. Donovan, is there anything else that you would add that people should keep in mind as they're considering Tigers as partners?
1: I would add that it might seem scary or insulting to have a student's kind of comment on the way that you teach. But I promise you that even though it might seem that way, it is in reality not so. This is an incredible, like Katie said, it's an incredibly informative and transformative uh, program. and. In no way, shape, or form is it our intentions to hurt, offend, or belittle you. Instead, what the program does offer is insightful and targeted ways to not only improve, but grow as an educator. And that is something that, if we work in education, is something that we should always strive for.
0: That's a beautiful point, because I do want to stress that we carefully vet and hire our student interns. And and part of your job, Donovan, is, is that you're working with them on how to have really tough conversations and how to think about taking their ideas as a student from the student perspective and articulate them in, in the most helpful way for faculty. So these are students that are receiving training on how to take what can be uncomfortable topics um, and turn them into meaningful dialogue. So it's just such a an amazing thing that you do. Thank you so much for all of your work on this project, um, for also talking with me today. Don't hesitate to reach out to us. Our next episode is going to be returning to what we told you our next episode would be. And that is we'll we'll finally conclude our section on game-based learning by looking at serious play. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.